0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Studying the prayers of the Bible uses the same approach as studying any passage of Scripture. How do we go about these studies? Can't we just read the text and find the meaning is clear? Sometimes yes. But the characteristics of the Bible means that further study is needed if you want to go deeper in your knowledge. The Bible was written thousands of years ago, over a period of about 1,200 years, in a culture that was not like ours. That gap sometimes means that we need to explore the ancient context to avoid misunderstandings. While we might wish that God's Word would not need such study, God revealed His Word through people writing in their own language their own culture. And I'll give a caveat here. I believe that the subjects that are necessary to be a genuine follower of God require little, if any, study. The issues of salvation, imitating God in word and deed, and so on, are pretty clear and basic. But to go deeper, we need to do some work. God chose to direct his word through humans and also chose to have these documents preserved and copied by humans the Bible did not drop down from heaven with its words divorced from a particular time, culture, or historical setting. If God had chosen to make everything easy for a 21st century Christian to understand, then an ancient person would have found much of it baffling. It's easier for a modern person to figure out how ancient people thought than the other way around. So God, in his infinite wisdom, chose to preserve the Bible through the ancient Near East and the Greco-Roman world. Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, with all the historical and cultural peculiarities that go along with those contexts. Sometimes we will have to do some digging to make sure we understand a passage. And there is more. It does not take a lot of detailed study to realize that each book of the Bible has its own style and character. God did not quash the personalities and styles of the writers. He allowed them to write in their own way. This should not surprise us, For God has always worked through people without making them into robots or dictation machines. So if we want to explore the meanings of these ancient texts, we need to bridge the gap between that world and ours. That means addressing history, culture, language, and society. This might not always be easy. Even today, people who travel from the Western world to the Middle East find themselves confused and sometimes offended by that culture, and the reverse is true too the Bible portrays a Middle Eastern culture two or 3,000 years ago, and that span of time adds even more differences. The good news is that many researchers have spent centuries studying those cultures, and their work is easily available. And so in these studies, it is my task to sort through that research and note the most important elements when it will help us understand prayer better. Once we have placed a passage in its context as the best we can, The next step is to ask if the passage about prayer or anything else is a practice that God commands or a principle couched in ancient cultural language. Let's look at some passages to explore this question. In some New Testament passages, women are urged to keep silent in public gatherings, for example, 1 Timothy 2, while other passages depict women speaking freely in public worship, for example, 1 Corinthians 11. Some use this as a way to dismiss the Bible, saying it contradicts itself, but that is a naive view of literature based in culture, history, and life. Some use this as a way to dismiss the Bible, saying it contradicts itself, but that is a naive view of culture, history, and life itself. Just like in today's world, there were subcultures in every part of the world. Just like today, there were different situations and contexts, even within a subculture. So one way of interpreting these passages is this. There were places in the Roman Empire where it was considered inappropriate for women to speak in public. There were others where it was acceptable in some situations. So one interpretation of those passages is that each reflects a different subculture and not a particular practice we must follow. So instead of a command, which would contradict each other, we see a principle to follow. People ought to act appropriately in public assemblies, depending on where they are. In other words, what one should or shouldn't do sometimes does depend on the circumstances. Others, however, see these passages as commands, though still related to their differing contexts. Timothy was writing a command. God does not want women speaking in public. Paul, in 1 Corinthians, was addressing a different issue, which was a principle. Worship services should be orderly, and they were rather chaotic in Corinth. These are two examples of trying to determine context and then meaning. It is up to you to decide which one seems more likely. But without studying that old culture, one is left with either the Bible contradicts itself or either Paul or Timothy was wrong. Neither of those is useful and make no sense if we think the Bible is God's word. So the best option is a careful study of the context of the passage along with some humility and an awareness that we may not have all the answers. Let's look at another example. It was the practice of earliest Christians to meet in homes and the New Testament implies that this is what Christians should do. Is this a practice commanded by God? Christians should only meet in homes? If so, then most of Christendom has violated the word of God for many centuries. But perhaps it is only a principle. Christians should meet regularly. Where they meet was a matter of culture, history, and necessity. The above leads us to realize that we must also critique ourselves. We might not like to admit it, but we have our biases and our blind spots. For example, we are usually tempted to argue that something we practice as a command is correct, and anything we only see as a principle can be applied in different ways. But this is a mere way of saying what I do is correct, and anybody with a different view is wrong. But this implies that we should never question existing practices and traditions, and that God has nothing new to teach us. And if we have that attitude, He probably can't. What if what we think is obvious? is actually incorrect. Look at first Peter one three through four, which commands women not to braid their hair or wear jewelry. Most of us would say the command was cultural, a principle that women, or anyone, should take care how they dress in worship. Yet could we be guilty of imposing our culture on Scripture? It's a difficult question. Sometimes studies that contextualize can help. For example, There is a good reason to think that that passage was initially addressed to a particular situation. In some areas of the Roman Empire, prostitutes braided their hair and then wore it loose, while married women wore their hair bound up. Some Christian women, especially Greek women, may have thought that being free in Christ, now that they'd become followers, meant being free of social constraints. Perhaps the writer of the letter wanted to ensure that Christian women did not show up at worship services looking like immoral women. Another option is this. Since the Roman Empire drew strict divisions between classes and status, perhaps the writer did not think worship was a place to divide by class, which would be obvious by the clothing and adornment worn. With these two pieces of information about the Roman Empire, we can conclude, without choosing between them that the issue was larger than just what women wore. There is a principle to uphold rather than a specific practice to follow. It is not always simple, of course, and sometimes we do not know enough to make a complete sense of a passage. However, such ambiguous passages are rare and they rarely impact a core theological or doctrinal practice. It is also important to note that our salvation does not depend on the proper interpretation of every practice. God offers grace, not only for our sins, but also for our honest misunderstandings about church practice. When we study the prayers of the Bible, the same questions arise about context, commands, and principles. Asking those questions and analyzing the contexts tells us a lot about how to understand prayer. This study, and the whole Praying Through the Bible project, uses a three-part method of study and interpretation. While not able to answer all questions, this approach usually reveals issues that help us understand the passage better. And so next, I'll explain this three-part method and show examples of how it works. Thank you for listening. See the notes accompanying this podcast for more information. Learn more about the Praying Through the Bible project on our website, Praying Through the That's T H R U. If you are a subscriber, thank you. If not, please consider becoming one. Feel free to get in touch through the comments or on our website. Until next time, blessings on all of